following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. So today I want to do my best to teach you some things I have learned about prayer. Now I love I love uh, the other pastors on our team and, and Pastor Brad and Pastor Rex. They were like way up here. I'm going to put the cookies on the bottom show because I'm pretty simple. So th- this this some of you may go. I, I got this. I'm on, I'm on. Great. I'm glad you're here. This isn't for you. These are for the people who says you know what I don't know that I know how to pray. And for me, I I needed to, I needed them down here. I need them on the bottom shelf. I need to make sure I know that I'm not just wasting my time by by I put the cookies on the bottom shelf. So I want to share with you a prayer tonight. Because one of the questions that we ask is, does prayer work? And this is a prayer that I'm going to show you that always works, 100% of the time. In Matthew 6, Jesus decided to teach his disciples and anybody else that was listening, that is you and I tonight, about prayer. And uh, he says, I'm going to teach you how to pray. And here's what he said, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. He says, and when you pray... In other words, not if you pray, I said, and when you pray. I'm assuming that it's going to happen. I'm not, it's not if you pray, it's when you pray. Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. So these particular people were more concerned with what everybody else thought about them than what God Almighty would think. And in their culture, it was not unusual for holy people to pray these loud and complicated prayers in order to be seen. And Jesus says, don't, just quit doing that. Quit praying to be seen like, by others. Quit praying publicly so that people go, whoa, you're so godly. Then he goes on to say, truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. You know what their reward is? Everybody thinks you're so godly. That's their reward. But he introduces a concept here that he's going to come back to in a moment. That he says, if if you'll learn how to pray correctly, there is a reward. There is a reward. Look at verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And most of you pray in the car, we, we pray on the way to work, before you're sick, before a big test, before dinner, before bedtime, when there's an emergency, when there's no money left in the bank account. And Jesus said to pray, he says to pray, you need to be alone. To pray, you need to be somewhere where no one else sees you. You need to have isolation from the world that is around you. Why should we pray in a room privately with the door closed? Can you not pray publicly? No, you can pray in public. But if you start by praying in private, your motives will be pure. You'll be doing it for the right reasons. It's not to show off to man. It's because it's between God and myself. And so then when I do pray in public, I'm not doing it for the wrong reasons, but I'm doing it for the right reasons. This is what he addressed in verse 5. He says, don't do it so everybody thinks you're a show off. Do it in private. Start there so you're doing it with the right heart and the right motivation. And then... You pray these prayers to your unseen father. Listen to what he says. It's so powerful. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret. Just pause there for a moment. What if we all just got that tonight? Unequivocally, I understood and believed and was convinced wholeheartedly that God saw me when I was praying in my private place. That he had his eyes on me. That when you prayed and when I prayed, I had complete confidence. And again, I don't know how this works, but what if 
God saw you praying alone in isolation. The idea that God knows me my name and sees me pray, nothing much more matters than that. But he says, your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You say, I'm not looking for a reward. Too bad, doesn't matter. Jesus says, when you pray in secret and you pray in the way I'm about to teach you how to pray to the unseen God, the unseen God sees you. He's watching you. And he's with you. And he'll reward you. To which on our American way of thinking we go, sweet, I'll get everything I ask for. But if you've been following Jesus for any length of time, you know that's not true. Right? Because you would have been driving a Porsche at 16 and married the hottie from high school. That didn't work out, did it? If you were to talk to people that have been Christians a long time, you say, what's the reward? What is the reward with spending time alone with God? I promise they probably wouldn't say, you know, it's not that I get everything I ask for because I don't. And I'm not sure exactly what he's talking about when he says reward, but I know part of the reward is this uncanny confidence that God is with me and God is for me throughout my day. And that I'm going along in my day and I know he is with me. And that is a reward of spending time alone with the Father. There's something honoring to God when you take a slot out of your busy day and say, Lord Jesus, if I were to have an emergency today, I would come to you. But I don't have an emergency today. But I can't imagine my day starting any other way than carving out a few minutes to spend time with you. I just want to spend time with you. I want to commune with you. I think that's part of it. I don't think it's conversation. That sounds too businesslike. It's communion. It's constant communion with the Father. I just want to spend time with you. I want to get to know you. I'm so dependent upon you. I can't imagine starting my day any other way. Look at verse 7. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. When I was growing up in youth group, um, I was kind of a leader in the youth group, and, and I really admired my youth pastor, and he was a very spiritual guy, and there were a couple of cute girls in the youth group, and so he would do these things where he would get us all in a circle, and we would just pray, you know, in a circle. You ever done one of those things where everybody says a prayer? And, um, and so <laughs> uh, I, didn't, I never heard anybody's prayer, because the whole time everybody's praying, I'm thinking about what I'm going to pray. So I'm like, i got to say something really good, smart, because i got my youth pastor, and she's cute, and I want her to think I'm smart. And so they're going around, and inevitably, my friend Dusty would be right beside me, and he would pray the prayer that I was saying. I was, ah, Dusty, and I'd be so mad, because now i got to think of something else to say, and I was going to pray. So like he's praying, I'm like, oh, i got to think of something else now. i got to think of something. So I'm like, the whole, it's just stressful. And so then I learned that my, my youth pastor would say, uh, who wants to start? I, mean, I want to start, I want to start, because nobody could steal it if I started. Um, but Jesus is saying there's a tendency in us to want to impress people with your prayers. That's what I was wanting to do. He says, don't do that. You don't need to be loud. You don't need to be long. You don't need to be uh, expressive in your vocabulary. Just, they think they'll be heard because of their many words. And he says, don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Isn't that crazy? That's quite the contradiction. It really is. First of all, let me say, this takes a lot of pressure off you. I don't know if you've ever been there where you had like a list of prayer requests, and you're praying in public, you're like, oh, what was that other one? God already has the list. He has your prayer needs. You're good. You're covered. And some of you are thinking, I can hear your thoughts out loud. You're thinking, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If he already knows my need, why am I praying? <laughs> What's the point? What's the purpose? If he knows my need, why do I pray? Maybe, just maybe, the point of prayer is not to give God your needs. But so many of us, that's all we do in prayer. 
and just offer up our needs. He goes, I already got those. You're missing the point. That's not why we pray. It's not to give me your needs. There's more to it than this. And I think, I think the disciples were getting that, right? If it's not a matter of God going, okay, what, what is it? What do you need? Okay. All right. Who's got the flu? Okay. Barbara, the neighbor or the sister? The neighbor. Okay. Fantastic. If, if we're not informing God, then what are we doing? And Jesus says, listen, it's more than that. It's not about just sending our needs to God. It, prayer is so much more than that. And I think that's one of the disciples were looking at Jesus praying. and they're going, there's, there's something different. He's not doing it the way we're doing it. Hey, would you teach us how to pray? And Jesus says, okay. So verse 9, he says, this then is how you should pray. Another way of saying that is this is the way you should pray. This is the way you should pray. Okay, it's the proper way to pray. It's the Jesus way to pray. This is how it's done. I'm not going to say it's a formula that's like, uh, say these magic words and these magic words and you get this end result. That's not how it works. Because it's, it's, it's not what you should pray. I didn't say this is what you should pray. This is how you should pray. This is, how you, this is a way you should pray. It's a, it's, a, it's a formula. It's a model. It's a pathway. When you pray, this is how you should do it. Verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's very different from dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. I got that out of the way. Now let's get to me. Here's my needs. You need to hedge your protection, right? You just. <laughs> Father, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means holy. It means set apart. It means separate. It means so much other than. It means big. It means majestic. And Jesus is saying, when you start your prayers, in the very beginning, Jesus is saying, I want you to pause when you pray and just brag on Jesus. Brag on God. Just, God, you're big. You're big. You're majestic. You're holy. You're set apart. You're separate. You're so other than. You're the creator. You're great. You're eternal. You're awesome. You were here before I got here. You'll be here long after I leave here. This great, big, eternal God is inviting me, and he's inviting you to call him Father. Father, and Father is such a special word. It, it's, it's, it's a word that's respect. Father means you're smarter than me. Father means you have authority over me. Father is tender. Father is intimate. Father is, you're gonna, I'm going to follow you even though I don't know what's best, but I'm trusting you do. Our Father in heaven. Wow, I, I get to talk to our Father in heaven. Hallowed, just holy are you. Hallowed be your name. And then Jesus gets to this part where we, we, should, be, get stu- we should get stuck there. We should, we should stop the car and spend time here. But a lot of times we just kind of fast forward and speed past this. But verse 10, he says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, not only do we need to pause, I think we should... We should hit the brakes and then put it in park and just camp out on this for a little while. Here's what Jesus is teaching. Before you get to you, you must surrender to him. Because you have a kingdom and I have a kingdom. You have a will and I have a will. And sometimes there are things going on in my kingdom that don't, they don't, I don't like it. I need God. I need you to intervene in my kingdom and fix some things in my kingdom. And, and, and before we get to your kingdom, he says, hey, hey, hey. That's where our prayers generally go. He says, have you gotten to the place where you're willing to c- declare s- sincerely and honestly and earnestly? Like, I know I've got some stuff going on in my world, but it's not about my will. 
thy kingdom come. And thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Can you honestly, sincerely say, it's all about you. Yeah, I got this, but it's all about you. It's all about your kingdom. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. In other words, before we go any further, I want you to know I'm more committed to your will than I am to my own will. I'm not here to bend you towards my will. I'm here to be bent towards yours. And in verse 33, verse 33 is so good. A little bit later in this passage, it's not on the screen, but it says, um, but seek first his kingdom. And his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. And in that text, when he's talking about added to you as well, he's talking about the necessities of life, what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear and where you're going to live. He goes, I want to take care of all those things. If you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. But how many of us go into prayer and we seek first my kingdom and my needs? Oh, I know I stepped on some toes. I'm sorry. You got 10. I can break two. Okay, I'm sorry. Prayer is not asking God what we need, but prayer is saying to God, I'm making myself available to you. Your will, your kingdom, use me, use me. And I'm not saying there aren't occasions where there are struggles or bumps or marriage issues or financial struggles where we're so distraught. But if you can get to the place where you sincerely say, God, I know what I'm about to ask you to do. You know what's happening in my kingdom. But before we get to my kingdom, I want you to know it's all about your kingdom and your will being done on this earth. That's where I want to start tonight, Lord. Look at verse 11. He says, give us today our daily bread. That's the part we're excited about. (laughs) Now I've gotten my right relationship with the Lord. I understand it's all about you and it's not about me. Now we got that straight. There's some things I need help with, pronto, right? And Jesus says, here's some things you should pray for. Give us today our daily bread. But I love what he says there. Because uh, for me, it's, it's... He's reminding them. Think about who he's talking to, the, the, the people that are there. He's reminding them of their forefathers. And he goes, hey, uh, your forefathers used to come out of their tents on the way to the, the Holy Land, and, and they would literally have their daily bread rain down from heaven, manna. And, and they'd come out, and manna would come down, and they would have just enough to gather for that day, and then the next day they would come out, and they would gather more manna. And every day it was a daily provision. Everybody say Provision. So this is what he's talking about. He said, this is all about provision. And and, and he says, listen, there's going to be a day that's coming where you're going to have so much provision, Israel. You're going to have so much provision that other nations are going to come to you to buy food from you. And when those nations come to buy food from you, I want you to remember where your daily bread came from, where your provision is from. So he says, give us today our daily bread. I don't think it's as much a request as it is a recognition. And then he says this in verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. It's recognition that God is as big as you are, and, 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 and I, I say, I, I've sinned. Oh gosh, I've sinned. I've blown it, Lord, but I'm thankful that there is a cross standing in history that has covered me of all of my sins. That the wages of my sins should be death, but you didn't give me what my sins deserve. You gave your son Jesus what my sins deserve instead. He went to the cross. He paid the price so that I could live eternally in heaven and abundantly on earth. Jesus, I thank you for that. And so forgive me, forgive me of when I've, when I've trespassed against you and forgive those who trespass against me. I'm asking for forgiveness, and as I'm asking for forgiveness, I'm going to extend it to the people around me. I'm not going to get up off my knees until everyone I know has been forgiven. 
just like I wouldn't get off my knees until I knew that I was finally and fully forgiven. And so some of you, if you can get there, you might be praying for a little while. (laughs) Because it's easy to ask for forgiveness. It's quite difficult to forgive, isn't it? And suddenly in our moments as we pray, as Jesus teaches us to forgive, there's a person's face that comes to mind. And we need pardon. I need pardon for my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the price. But I can't just be a consumer of that. I've got to be a distributor of that. I need to pardon other people's sins. Everybody say pardon. Pardon. I've got to pardon other people's sins. Every single day, every time you pray, you're reminded that you're a forgiven person who's been asked to forgive the people around you. What if we just got that right? Wouldn't this planet be a completely different place if we just walked every day in forgiveness? Just saying, I just, I'm forgiven, I forgive you. Look at verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And the little Greek phrase there for evil one, it could be translated as just evil. Some of you grew up memorizing it as let us deliver us from evil. It could be evil or evil one. But do you know what that means? It means that when you pray, you're not intending to do evil. It means when you pray, uh, you've decided, I don't want to sin against God anymore. In other words, prayer is not getting forgiveness for past sins, emptying out your sin bucket so I can go fill it up tomorrow. All right, I got an empty sin bucket, let's go. It's saying, I don't want to sin anymore. I want you to keep me from evil. Prayer is saying, I sincerely want to obey you. Why would I not want to obey you? You're the great God. You're the creator of heaven and earth. I've already said that I want your kingdom. I want your will to be advanced on this earth. I want you to provide for me. I see all the provision that you've given to me. I want you to pardon me of my sins and help me pardon those who have sinned against me. And now I want you to help me empty the sin out of my bucket. And I don't want to sin anymore. Keep me, for lead me not into temptation. I don't need his help on that. I got plenty of that on my own. And I need you to, I need you to keep me from evil. Keep me from evil. Would you say protection? Protection, protection. I need protection. Say it again, protection. I need protection from evil. You pray when you say you're, you're tired of sinning. When, when sin is eating your lunch and you want to escape the sin, you, you, that's when you pray. You pray when you realize God is bigger than you. And if he never says yes to any of your prayers, who cares because he's so big and he's worth living your life for. But that's what Jesus said when he taught us to pray. And then most of us grew up with this inning. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That was the soprano part in the weddings that you were into. That does the, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Y'all know. Sorry, that was really bad. The oldest Greek manuscripts don't have that part. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing to throw in there, but it was probably added because Jesus kind of abruptly ends the talk on prayer and starts talking about forgiveness in the sermon. But let's just kind of review what we've talked about in closing. Okay, so this is this is Jesus said this is how we pray. This is how we pray right here. I want you to announce it. I want you to announce God's greatness. I want you to announce it from the rooftops. God, you're good. God, you're hallowed. God, you're holy. You're high. You're holy. You're exalted. You're magnificent, you're mighty, you're the wonderful counselor, you're the prince of peace, you're the mighty God. I, I love you, I love you, God, I love you, God. I thank you for all that you're, you're the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the great I am. You're, you're everything to me, right? You just, you just announce God's greatness. You surrender your will. 
God, not my will, but your will be done. This is not about me. It's all about you. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. You live within me. I'm going to pick up my cross and I'm going to follow you, Jesus. This is all about you, God. Kill my ambition. Kill my desires, my will, my heart, my selfishness. I want to live for you. I want you to live through me. This is all about your will. Use me as your vessel. Use me as your conduit through which your power will flow today. I want your will and your kingdom to be accomplished on this earth. And then once you do that, I think if you spend a little bit of time there, you won't need much time on number three, but you just know you're dependent. You decide, I just know I need you. I know I need you for my provision. I thank you for all the provision that you've given me. And I don't even have to pray for my needs because I already know you know them before I pray them. So I just thank you in advance for, for, for providing for me, for pardoning of all of my sins. God, I am a sinner and I, I, I want forgiveness of that sin. Not only do I want to be forgiven, I want to forgive those who have wronged me. And then finally, I want protection, Lord. I want protection from the enemy. I want you to lead me not into temptation. I want you to help deliver me from the evil that is surrounding me. I want to be sold out, bought out, blood bought. I want this to be, I want to be all yours. Your prayer life will change dramatically. And look, at first, you may have to go through the steps, and, and, I, and I wanted to make it easy for you, so I came up with this ASK. Uh, announce, surrender, no, and the, and the first letters are asked. That's what you don't do in prayer. So don't ask when you get, Lord, here's what I need. Like th- That's what so many of us do. But don't ask. I want you to announce it. I want you to surrender, and I want you to know you're dependent upon him. And it's going to take some time to get these steps in, into practice. It's just, it will. It'll take some time. When I first learned how to drive, you remember that? It's like, it's a little confusing because you get in the car and there's an instructor there who's going to give you a license or no license. And so you got to make sure you get the, the mirrors. They're all set. And we got my hands at 10 and 2. And now I think they put them at 9 and 3. Or maybe they went back to 10 and 2. I don't know. I got my, my seatbelts on. Are you buckled up? I'm buckled up. And make sure my, my blinkers work. Everything works. And got the windshield wiper fluid. Don't know that I need that. It's not rainy today, but I'm just going to make sure I got the windshield wiper fluid. And then we start driving and the, the parallel parking. That's the worst. Now they got the cars that do it for you. That's awesome. But anyway, I, you know, you had parallel park. And, and now I just get into my truck. Like, I don't think twice about it, right? Like, when you first started, it was like, it was, there, there were, yes, oh, did I stop? And, and it's, it's, it's kind of confusing, but now you just do it, right? You just get in your car and you do it. You don't even think twice. You're, you're like talking to your cell phone, driving with your knees, eating a hamburger. Like, it, it's not even a big deal to you anymore. It'll get that way with prayer where it's just, it's just like second nature that you just announce God's greatness. You surrender to his will and you know that you're dependent on him. You just say, this is just kind of how I do prayer. I've been doing it wrong. And the disciples said, I think we've been doing it wrong, but this is how Jesus said the model prayer should look like. If it's not natural, you'll spend more time thinking about what you're praying, uh, what you're praying itself than, than who you're praying to. So just keep practicing. And the longer you stay, like I said, the longer you stay in the first two, announcing God's greatness and surrendering your will, if you'll just stay in those, if you'll just, like tomorrow we'll have 30 minutes roughly of, of individual prayer time in the morning. And if you'll spend the first 25 minutes on one and two, you get to three and go, I don't really, I don't, I don't need anything. I just want to announce your greatness. And I just want to surrender to your will. And then it's just, it's like you start asking for the knees like, I, I'm good. Amen. <laughs> and it's important. Listen, I, I know you love people that are suffering. I know you might need a job. You're worried about your prodigal son or daughter. It's not that those things aren't important. But somehow what happens is those things that we want and need suddenly begin to shrink 
within the context of Almighty God who has invited you to call him Father. And by the way, by the way, he says, I know. I know, I know about your son. I know your marriage is rocky, and I know it's because you've been so long without work. I know that. And I don't mind you telling me and petitioning me, but I just want you to know before you close the door in your closet, I've got some good news for you. I already know your needs. I know them. So you don't have to spend your entire 30 minutes tomorrow telling me your needs. I know them. I know them. So just announce God's greatness. Just announce God's greatness. Just surrender to my will for your life. And then he says, let me ask you before we get to you, can, can you take no for an answer? If you ask me for something, can you take no for an answer? Are you willing to allow me to use the drama in your marriage to do something that maybe you didn't even know that I was doing? That son or daughter that you're wanting to come home, I don't want them to come home just yet because there's something I'm trying to do in them that I can't get done in them unless they're gone a little bit longer from you. Can you trust me with them? Can you trust me with them? Can you trust me? It's not your will, it's my will. Let let me handle this. Surrender your will to me. And now, yeah, go ahead, ask. Ask for provision. Go ahead, ask for pardon, and I'll be happy to grant you protection. That's the kind of prayer that works every single time. Not because it moves God, but because it moves you. Randy, if you'll help me. And I thank God that we don't always get what we ask for. You have to remember that God is he's painting on a canvas bigger than we can see. And uh, I'm praying for something. And if he says yes to my prayer, he has to say no to somebody else's prayer sometimes. And he needs to say yes to their prayer because he's doing something in their life that's going to help them. But if he said yes to my prayer, then he would negate their prayer. And it's just, it, he says, you just got to trust me. You just got to trust me. It's not your will. It's my will. I love you. And in all things, I'm working for the good of those who love me. But listen, I, I, I just need you to trust me. Thank God, he says, my will be done, my kingdom come. And I've invited all of you to be a part of that. So every morning, not just for the next 10 days, but every morning, would you get alone with God to announce his greatness? And just say, wow, what an honor. What an honor. I'll tell you this quick story, and, uh, and I'll, I'll close. But... Um, when I was in college, I went to the University of Texas, and uh, I was in a sex education class with a very famous alumni, and, uh, or alumnus, I guess would you say. And she, she, uh, she was in the class, and uh, I slowly started micing my way kind of over to her because I thought, I don't know, I was, just, I, was, I was kind of a celebrity stalker. And, uh, but uh, in my class was Jenna Bush the president's daughter, and he was president at the time. And so I'm sneaking over. He had just come into office, and I'm sneaking over to her and, and just, you know, just trying to get close. And, and, and uh, not for, just, sounds weird. So, <laughs> so anyway, we had a group project. Our, our professor made us do a group project, and he said he wanted to get some groups of four. And so I'm sitting close enough to her that immediately I just kind of made eye contact. Well, yeah, you want to group? So we got four of us. It was one of her friends and another guy we didn't know and, and myself. And so we're working on this group project and, um, and it was going well. And then one night we were, we were uh, it was a couple of days before it was due and we were trying to get it all finished. So we didn't uh, wait to the very last minute. 
And uh, Jenna said, hey, my dad's coming into town tomorrow to surprise me. Would y'all like to meet my father? <laughs> yeah. And I don't care if you're pro-Bush or anti-Bush. That's cool, man. Anytime you get a chance to meet a president, I was all up for that. So I said, yeah. And so I don't know how it all worked. I guess Air Force One lands at, at Austin Berkshire International Airport, and he was going to, I guess, take a transport. We were supposed to meet at, um, I guess, Magnolia. Is that the breakfast place? Okay. So anyway, uh, she said he's got another appointment that day, so we have to meet at 7. I said, okay. We were all excited about that. So I went home and uh, set my alarm, and I woke up. And I was going to get ready, and I looked at my clock. It was 7.15. And uh, I threw on, like, a hodgepodge of clothes in the dark, and I ran to Magnola, hoping I would just, like, get to meet him as they were departing, and they were already gone. And I was just crushed. And I just made that whole story up. That didn't even happen. None of it. I made the whole thing up. On the spot. That was pretty good. But you know what's funny? As I was, I was telling the story and I said I missed the appointment. It was 7.15. I heard a collective, oh, in the room. You know what the heart of heaven is saying probably every morning is this collective, oh. You missed your appointment not with the president of the United States of America. With an almighty creator who wants to spend time with you who wants to have breakfast with you, who wants you to commune with him. He says, I want that appointment. And just as I was telling that story, and every one of you were saying, you're an idiot, set four alarms, you can't miss that appointment. I say the same thing in Christian love. You're an idiot. Set four alarms, whatever you have to do, get here tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. and spend time with your heavenly Father who's high, who's holy, who's exalted. Announce His greatness. Surrender to His will and know you're completely dependent upon Him. When I pray this prayer, I pray it for you. I pray it for my fellow staff. I pray it for their children. I pray it for all the people who attend our church. God, protect us from evil. For Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.